Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you here. Um, we are continuing with our, our series uh, talking about the conversations of Jesus, and we're in week number two. And last week, we spoke about the topic of who do you say I am, where Jesus spoke to Peter and the disciples, and he asked Peter, who do you say that I am, um, talking about him being the Messiah. One of the things is, when we look at identity, identity is quite a crucial part of, of our world today. There's a fight over identity and how people align themselves. And what I want to say is that each one of us, because we're made in the image of God, identity is intimately linked with the identity of who God is and who Jesus is. And I also believe that our sense of identity uh, really gets defined and established as we are part of a community. And that's why God adds us to a church, so you can discover who he has called you to be and what he has called you to do. So this morning we are going to be talking um, about a conversation Jesus had uh, with a crowd, the Pharisees, and really looking at how a particular event caused a, a, quite a, a different reaction between people. Now, there's, there's a few things in life that can do this. Obviously, on a spiritual side, definitely people react in very different ways to when the Holy Spirit moves and Jesus, Jesus does something. But also, we see this phenomenon with sport and especially rugby. Um, you might have been watching your TV screens at five o'clock yesterday, and there was a game that happened between the Bulls and the Stormers. Same game. Um, and by 7 o'clock, some people were work, walking away with a mildly satisfied smile. We should have scored more tries. And some people were walking away crying for the second week in a row. And I just wanted to say to Andre and the Bulls supporters that uh, it wasn't personal. You were just in the way of the Stormers. Um, but we hope that you do better next week. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to get lynched. Before I get lynched, let me move on. But especially with... With spiritual matters, a lot of the time you see quite diverse reactions from people depending on how open they are to the Holy Spirit. And with the conversation we're going to look at this morning, we see how the crowd brought a man who was deaf and blind, um, well, well, couldn't speak and was blind, and uh, they brought him to Jesus, and Jesus healed the man and cast the demon out of him. And the crowd were filled with awe and hope. Could this be the son of David? But the Pharisees were filled with condemnation and, and confrontation. They wanted to confront Jesus, saying that he was in league with the devil. So we're going to look at that this morning and see what it means for our lives. But just as a question to get you started, to get you start, start thinking, is how do you respond when the Holy Spirit moves or when God is trying to work in your life? We're going to be reading this morning from a conversation that happened in Matthew 12, verses 22 to 32. So I'm just going to pray for us, and you can, the scriptures will be up on the screen, or you can follow in your Bibles. Um, so if you could just bow your heads with me. Father, we just thank you for your word, that your word is truth, and it is a light unto our feet. And I thank you that your word can lead us and guide us this morning. And we really want to be obedient to your word this morning. We want to totally um, not be just hearers of the word, but doers also. 
So won't you come and speak to our hearts this morning and thank you for the transformation and the life and the awesome things that your word will bring in our lives. And we thank you for everything that happened this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So starting from verse 22, here we go. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid to waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your, uh, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But it, it, if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come um, upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds a strong man? Then indeed he will plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather scatters. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against me, well, against the Son of Man, will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. So yeah, it's some quite strong words by Jesus and interesting concepts that we need to look at. Just picture it for a minute. That there's a man who's been oppressed. He can't even see, he can't even speak by a demon. And what these guys are worried about is this guy gets set free. And the Pharisees accuse Jesus of being in cahoots with the devil. We don't know exactly why they made the accusation. What we can assume is that from reading the scriptures, we see that he wasn't exactly the Messiah that they wanted. We also see that he threatened their position of spiritual authority. And on top of that, they probably didn't like the conviction of their sin that they feel, felt when they were around Jesus. He said they were like whitewashed tombs. So Jesus knew their hearts. We can only assume what they knew. Jesus responds to the, the Pharisees by really looking at this concept of saying that he's in league with the devil. And there's a number of names for the devil that are used in this context where, uh, where they say Beelzebul was the prince of demons. And this was linked in the Old Testament to the god Baal who was challenging uh, Israel um, and obviously was seen as idolatry uh, in opposition to God. And actually the name uh, Beelzebub or Beelzebub uh, means Lord of Flies, and it's like a derogatory term, and it can also mean Lord of the House. Um, and it's interesting that this name is used because Jesus also refers, you know, he refers to the devil as, in his response, as Satan, which is the accuser. Um, but he also talks about the devil as a strong man. 
Now, the reason for this is the devil has been given authority as a strong man because of the fall, because man sinned against God, and the delegated authority that God had given to man, he gave up when he, he, when, when he sinned against God and listened to the devil's advice. And that gave the devil authority in the earth. So when Jesus talks about the strong man, he gives this rather interesting picture where he challenges him and says, well, first of all, what he does is he says, okay, you guys say that I'm in league with the devil. How can I be in league with the devil if I am attacking him? It doesn't make sense, the logic of it, that someone would actually uh, attack their own kingdom. He wouldn't last very long. So you see that Jesus does like good logic, and he, he, he challenges them and says, it's ridiculous what you're saying. And then he takes it a step further. He says, and what about your, the members of the Pharisees that are also seeing the need to deliver people from demons? Are they also working with the devil? And then he says, well, they will actually judge you by what you're saying with this accusation. And then he takes it a step further by referring to the strong man. Where what he says is he says, you wouldn't be able to plunder the strong man's house to take people away from him unless some way you would be able to bind him. So what he's doing is he's turning around the accusation and saying, well, hang on a second. Your Pharisee, uh, you know, they try and do demon deliverance. And we see how badly that goes later in Acts when a, a, a few of the, 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 the Jewish uh, exorcists really get it handed to them. But Jesus is saying, if I can so easily take people away from the strong man, who do you think I am? And for me, this is one of the amazing characteristics about Jesus. Before I surrendered my life to Jesus, I was... I was on one of those um, sort of vibes where it was like every religion is the same. And I found Christianity very presumptuous and arrogant to say that Jesus is the only way. How could you say that? But one of the things I started to notice that changed my heart is when I was faced with fears about darkness and demonic oppression, the person that I could call on to get that away was Jesus. I would never say, Oh, Buddha, send them away. Or Hare Krishna, send them away. Or Brahman, send them away. There was no power there. There was only power in the name of Jesus. And I see that. I mean, I remember a friend of mine who, who wasn't part of a church or anything, totally unsaved. And he was in his room and he had this, this experience where something dark, this dark presence came in the room and it grabbed him by the throat and he couldn't breathe. And he had this vision of Jesus of Nazareth he, he said it like that, Jesus of Nazareth. I thought quite interesting for someone who doesn't go to church, who came in and sent this thing away. And he's actually part of a church today, and that always stuck with me. Because when everything goes wrong and the demonic presence is there, there's only one name that we can call on to do it, and that is Jesus. The good news, though, is as Jesus took authority over the strong man, being the only one to do it. We see that when he was training his disciples, he delegated this authority to overcome the strong man to his disciples. When he sent them out, um, as it says in Luke 10, verses 18 to 19, he sent them out, and this is what he says to them. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority 
to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. And what I love about this is that God, to assert his authority over the enemy now, has taken the people who are caught in captive by the enemy and he actually uses them to assert his authority over the enemy. And this continues with the great commission that he gave his disciples, where he, he instructs his disciples to, make, to, to go and make disciples. In, in, in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 19, what he says is, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And we see that what he's saying when he gives us that charge to go and make disciples is he has given us authority, his authority to overcome the enemy. And that's a beautiful thing. He also challenges the Pharisees when he says, I, what do you think it means that I'm the person who can subdue the strong man? He also challenges by saying, demons are being cast out, the strong man has been bound, so what do you think is happening? I think he's playing with them a bit because they should know. Because the kingdom of God has been a theme running throughout scriptures and the Pharisees would have known about it. But Jesus spells it out for them. He says, if I cast out demons and bind the strong man, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now the kingdom of God is, an, is really a crucial part of the Christian message. Without the kingdom of God, what we have is we have a personalized faith that is a spiritual preference that is about giving you strength to give, get through life. And yes, God and his kingdom, it does give you strength to get through life, but it is so much more than that. It is so much more than that. It is about his righteous reign and rule upon the earth, setting people free from the, the kingdom of darkness where they are stuck in their sin, where they are hopeless, and setting them free under his amazing rule. Jesus tells us two crucial things about the kingdom here. And I think it's insights we can learn from his engagement with the Pharisees. He talks about plundering. Plundering is something that an invading team does or an invading force does. They come and they see the need and they take people out. And that's exactly what the kingdom is about. The kingdom is not a defending kingdom, but the kingdom is an attacking kingdom. Satan had authority because of Adam giving up that authority to the devil. But Christ has come to restore it. And he bound Satan, you know, on the cross. He defeated them. But he wants us to take forward the results of that victory into all the earth. Now, where this plays part in our Christianity is sometimes we are so much on the defensive. We want to try and close every door in our lives to the devil. And we're like almost holed up waiting you know, hoping that we're going to keep out every attack. That is not what God has for us. He has so much more. Yes, he wants to protect you from the evil one in your life, but he wants you to go out into every area of your life and to overcome the powers of darkness. That is what the kingdom about, is about. It's about bringing righteousness, peace, and joy to every area of your life, to the place you work, to your family, restoring relationships, setting people from their sin, free from their sin and, and bringing them into an amazing relationship with God. And I think sometimes it's difficult. Life is really difficult. You know, we face a lot of opposition, so we go into defense mode. But Jesus 
is, is setting us free from that. He has so much more for us. And the amazing thing is that Jesus actually tells us that attack is the best form of defense. Where does he say that? He says that, seek first the kingdom and all else will be added. Just before that, he says, don't worry about what you will eat, what you'll drink. When it feels like the enemy is attacking our financing, finances, attacking our relationships, attacking whatever we have, we know that if we press forward and seek the kingdom and seek to bring the kingdom wherever we are, God will sort out those other things. He promises in our word. So I want to tell you this morning that attack is the best form of defense. The second thing we learn about this is that the kingdom is really about a selfless life, the servants of a kingdom, rather than self-interest. We see that Jesus went out to heal this man, knowing beforehand what the Pharisees were going to do. They'd already accused him the last time he did the miracle of being in league with the devil. So he knew they were going to do it again, and this persecution would eventually lead to his death. But his heart was on setting the people free and advancing the kingdom. And my friends, to advance the kingdom, we're going to need to be selfless servants of the king. He will provide everything. He's going to give you in return righteousness, peace, and joy, which you can never get yourselves. But he wants you to lay down your lives to bring something amazing to the earth. And when you get a part of the kingdom, and I'm not saying we're not, but the more you see the kingdom come, the more righteousness, peace, and joy we have in our lives. Jesus says something that I find really challenging. I don't know about you, but he, he basically says that, who, you know, in, in, in Matthew 12, verse 30, he says, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And this is a hard word because almost what he's saying is there's no middle ground. There's almost not like, you know, he's challenging the Pharisees because he's saying, you guys should know about me. You shouldn't be criticizing what I'm doing. You should be pointing people to it and saying, look, the kingdom of God has come. He asks the question, you know, we think about the question, are we gathering or scattering? And he says, no, there is no, you know, either you're gathering, you know, if you're not gathering, then you're either hindering the scattering or, or you're doing scattering directly. And it's a big challenge for us because I think often, you know, we almost want to be in a neutral place when we're, we're not that into it. But God wants us to be gathering with us. He's invited us for that. The thing about gathering is that when we gather, we see in the scripture what Jesus said. He said, if I cast out demons by the Holy Spirit, then the kingdom of God is amongst you. And we see that Jesus was working with the Holy Spirit to gather in the kingdom or to bring God's kingdom. Now, we cannot do the work of the kingdom without the Holy Spirit. We can't do it in our own strength. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. On the spiritual side, we need to understand the role of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is there to really empower us for the work of the kingdom. And we see in Jesus' ministry this amazing dynamic between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and how they work together. In Acts 10, 38, when they were talking about Jesus' ministry, they said, brothers, you know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good 
and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And Wayne Grudem, who's quite a well-known theologian, says this, from the very beginning of creation, we have an indication that the Holy Spirit's work is to complete and sustain what God the Father has planned and what God the Son has begun. So ladies and gentlemen, the Holy Spirit wants to partner with us to bring the kingdom of God into every area of our lives and every area of this world. You don't have to do it in your own strength. And you might, well, you might say, well, how do we get the Holy Spirit? And I'll, I'll get to that just now. Um, but it wasn't just Jesus who was uh, destined to work with the Holy Spirit because he talks about it in John 16, verse 7, when he first, first introduced the Holy Spirit um, to his disciples. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He also says that we receive power from the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. So the Holy Spirit has been sent for every single one of us who is believers. And going back to my question, to question earlier, how do we get more of the Holy Spirit? Well, we ask God. We cry out to God. We lay hands on one another. And God said, I will not, if you ask me for bread, I will not give you a stone. How much more? You know, he said, you're, 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 as fathers, you know, you won't give your son who asked for something, a, a stone instead of some bread. How much more will your father give you the Holy Spirit? The problem is, though, sometimes we don't ask for the Holy Spirit. We're not desperate for his work in our lives. And the reason for that, unfortunately, to be honest, is we're not gathering. So we don't need the Holy Spirit. If we are just sustaining ourselves in our faith, it's good to do that, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but we don't need much of the Holy Spirit to do that. But when you start going out and spreading the kingdom and gathering people into the kingdom of God, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. To overcome the evil one, you need to have faith in the fact that Jesus has authority and he's given you that authority, but you also need to do things in the power of the Holy Spirit, the good works you do, that he would multiply it and to demonstrate the kingdom and to make disciples only by the power of the Holy Spirit is that possible. I think sometimes we have a reservation in our hearts about the Holy Spirit where there's almost been this dichotomy in the church. On the one side, you have the Word of God and we stick to the Word of God and it's all the Word. And the other side, the Holy Spirit, where you know, you've got almost a, a dead ceremony and wacky Holy Spirit on the other side. I'm sorry, I hope I don't offend anyone, but I've, I've, I'm, I go on both sides. But you know the dichotomy I'm talking about. Now, I believe that you know, obviously on this side, it's totally valid because we don't always understand how the Holy Spirit works. They didn't understand at Pentecost how it was working. I remember the one time just telling someone about the Holy Spirit and they got born again on the spot without even going into the theology. And on the other side, we need the Word of God. It was written by the Holy Spirit. It was really written by the Holy Spirit and it, it enables us to hear the voice of God, to be led by God and, and, and also to, to, to do the mission as we're called to do and to get into a deeper relationship with God. And when these two sides come together, there's a catalyst, an amazing catalyst where the kingdom will come. 
And I believe that God, I just wanted to say, is that God is calling us to be a people of the word and a people of the spirit. So I want to ask that your reservations would fall today, that the Holy Spirit is asking, will you let me work in your life and will you let go of those reservations? There's also a part where I always wondered about, you know, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And I thought, well, as a new believer, I was terrified that if something bad happened to me, I might use the Holy Spirit's name in vain and then I would be excluded forever from God's kingdom and knowing him. And that's not what it means, but the context Jesus is saying is, is think about it. I've just healed someone. I've shown you amazing work of God's kingdom, and you are rejecting it to such a degree that you're saying it's of the devil. We can do the same when we, when we have a religion without needing to be born again, without needing God's power and grace. We say, God, you know, it's great. I, I'll sort of do it in my own way, and I don't need your regenerating work. And we can reject the Holy Spirit totally in that way. When he tries to convict us of sin and our need for a savior, we can say, no, I'm actually fine. And that is a way that will exclude us from the kingdom when we're rejecting him. But I would assume that most of us here, if that is you, I'd encourage you to to open your heart and say that you need to be born again and you need a savior to make you right with God. But for some of us who maybe have received that, The question today I feel that really God is leading us to is maybe you don't reject him like that or blaspheme him, but are you resisting him in any way? Are you letting the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do? And there's two sides to that. Are you letting him use you to bring the kingdom of God? And are you letting him remove sin and put to death sin in your life? Because that is his work, the sanctifying work and bringing the kingdom and manifesting the presence of God in the church and in the earth. God has called us to be a spirit-filled people, a spirit-filled people who bring his kingdom throughout all the earth and bring heaven to earth. And that is what he has for us. And maybe you didn't feel that this is for you. Maybe you think it's only for certain believers, but that's not the case. In the word, it says that the Holy Spirit is for every single believer. And sometimes I think people who are less qualified or less experienced are actually better used by God because they're relying a bit less on their own strength and a bit more on the Holy Spirit. So if that is you this morning where you're feeling unconfident or, 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 or incapable, you're in a good place because then you know you you can rely on his strength and his strength can work through you to gather for the kingdom of God. As I mentioned, God has called us to be part of his amazing work, the amazing work of gathering for the kingdom and he wants you to be a part of that. And I promise you that as you join that as a selfless servant, he is gonna meet your every need and sort out whatever needs to be sorted out. I believe that this morning, as we commit ourselves to say, yes, Lord, we don't want to get in the way, we don't want to sit on the fence, we want to gather with you, that he is going to give us the Holy Spirit in the most amazing measure to be able to to, to bring the kingdom of God wherever we are, to have courage, to have miracles, signs and wonders flowing through us, and an amazing anointing to make disciples. 